So if you're if you're a newer writer, you might have noticed that we have the letters T B Y all over Maybird stuff. They're on our bibs. They show up on on our website. Uh, Dan mentions them all the time. And if you look closely on the bibs, they're actually upside down. They're oriented so that the writer can see these letters T B Y while they're writing along. And we've had some people ask, not really understanding what that means. And um, we wanted to dive into that a little bit today because I think it's one of the concepts, I hope one of the many concepts um, that we talk about and explore as part of the Maybird experience that I think is applicable off the bike too. Absolutely. Um, with, with Maybird, we've had hundreds and hundreds of kids come through the program and the whole TBY thing came out of a concern that I've had for several kids that have gone through the program. It was a common problem that we saw repeated over and over again. So that's when we kind of came up with the, with the TBY. And um, this is going to be a really important message that I hope I'm able to convey well. And if not, um, I hope I get more opportunities to, to try and convey it better in the future. But basically, TBY, it just stands for the best you, which is pretty basic and, and maybe even almost a little cliche. But what TBY is to me and, and where the concept kind of came from and, and how I would define it, it's, it's, it's the difference between where you are currently and what your potential is. So TBY, to put simply, is just reaching your own potential. But the important, important part of TBY is that you worry about your TBY and not somebody else's. Um, so, so an example of TBY, so each of us are born with a potential, like a genetic potential or a God-given potential or whatever you want to call it. And right now, most of us pretty much all of us are probably nowhere near that potential. We're somewhere in between. Um, and I kind of think of that point as our TBY. And our goal is to move that point up towards our potential. Now, everybody has their own potential and their own TBY. And take, for instance, like a professional cyclist who was, was born with a lot of genetic gifts and spends 20 plus hours a week developing those gifts. A lot of the world tour professionals with, with all that they have access to, they're pretty darn near their genetic potential, which their potential is extremely high. Um, and you know, we as, as amateur athletes, um, we've, we've done a lot of work. We've done a lot of, a lot of training. We might have, some genetic gifts, um, you know, our, our TBY, it might be at a different place. But again, the important thing with TBY is you're just worried about your own and not somebody else's. Um, and, and the cool and exciting thing about it for us as amateur athletes is we're really not up against our ceiling. There's, there's just a lot of room that we can improve. Um, yeah, like, I think most professional athletes are probably hovering around 90% of their potential and maybe even peaking up into 95, 98% of what they're capable of. I think most people you see riding bikes around 
uh, you know, on, on your local trails or whatever, most of us are probably hovering around 40 to 60 percent, if I had to guess. I think all of us. And that's, you know, that might kind of seem depressing at the outset. But if you really think about it, that means that you could be a lot better than you are. Um, and this is kind of, I hope this doesn't sound like like some kitschy, you know, like Instagram quotey, you know, like, ooh, your potential is in- infinite and you can do whatever you want. Like, this is like a very practical way to keep yourself in a really kind of, I think, a healthy confidence zone. Like somebody told me one time that if you compare yourself to other people, you're either going to be very overconfident or very underconfident. And I think this is a good way to regulate that and make sure that you stay realistic and that you're, you know, the work you're putting into to riding bikes or your career academics is, is more productive. Yeah. So like a good example of this is, um, you know, I've, I've worked hard to become as good as I can be considering the time constraints I have, considering the, the body I was born with, considering my, the, the available finances I have. And I have made a ton of progress in the past 10 years or whatever. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. My life's so much better because of it. And it makes me happy and it's super rewarding. Every once in a while I go on a ride with, we'll say like Bo Foreman. And it's hard not to feel bad about myself because he's going so much faster and making it look so much easier. And I I have my, I just start thinking that I suck. And in reality, I've come a long way and I'm doing awesome things. And I'm, I'm so much closer to my potential because of all the work I've done, I shouldn't worry about Bo because he might, you know, he's been doing it a lot longer and he's, he probably has more time to spend training and might've had better genetic gifts from his parents or whatever. Might've had better genetic gifts from his parents. <laughs> you know, and then, um, you know, I, I think of, I hope it's okay to just throw out people's names. I, think, I think we can name check people. If you're uncomfortable being name checked, write um, us an email. So like Kevin Pulley, like three or four years ago, he was not very fast, but he has been putting in so much work lately. Every time I've ridden with him lately, it is like a struggle to keep up with the guy. Unbelievable. I don't think anybody I know has made more progress and has worked harder than Kevin Pulley. It's unbelievable how far He's come. He's he's an amazingly good rider right now. Like absolutely incredible. And you know, and like part of me when I'm riding with him, this guy that I used to be way faster than, and now I'm just struggling to keep up with. You know, there's a part of me that gets a little upset and discouraged, but really I should just be happy for him. And it doesn't mean that I got any slower or, or that I suck or anything. It just means that he's raising his TBY and I should be worried about mine and I should be happy for his accomplishments. Oh yeah, and like like if, if Bo Foreman or Kevin Pulley ride zero miles a week or 500 miles a week, if they win the World Cup or are abducted by aliens, that does not change you, which is, and I, I think this is easier to understand if you're a little older. I think if you're a hyper-competitive 16 or 17 year old, like a lot of the Maybird folks are, um, this is something that will take a long time to actually internalize. Like I remember torturing myself over how fast other people were as part of my Nike experience. Like you, you remember that, right? Absolutely. But you know, we have no control over those other people. They show up as fast as they're going to show up. And we have, unless, you know, unless we sabotage their bikes or poison them, we have no control over how fast other people are. Um, but we do have a lot of control over how good we are and, 
and that's where our focus should be. Um, so I'm going to tell a story about a youth cyclist, and and in Maybird we've had we've had hundreds and hundreds of youth cyclists go through the program, and I've I've paid attention to them. I've I've you know I've, we've learned a lot just from observing all these these various kids and, and riders. And so the story I'm going to tell isn't actually about a specific writer. I'm actually making up the story. It's about a fictional writer, but see if it see if it sounds familiar about maybe someone you know, or see if the just story sounds familiar because I've 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 seen it several times. So so there's this writer started fairly young, had extremely supportive parents that you know, that we're into the sport. So they had all, they had access to the good bikes, to the racing, to the training, whatever they really needed, they had access to. And so kind of from an early junior high type age, they experienced a lot of success. This rider was faster than most of his friends, most or his or her friends would show up to the races and, and usually win, be on podiums, um, which was super motivational. You know, the, this, this writer started getting a lot of attention, started enjoying that attention, and that atten- all that positive attention made it real easy to go out and, and work even harder to be even better, to get even more attention. Um, and eventually, this kind of became this person's identity. They just kind of became known as, as somewhat of a prodigy. Um, and so what, what kind of ended up happening is the, the writer, you know, is getting this attention. The attention felt good. It was made him happy. It was um, super motivating, super motivating. And so they start working even harder and they get more attention. So they continue to work harder and train harder and get more attention. And, and it just is a, it's just this cycle. That's a virtuous cycle according to, headstrong coaching. Um, so fast forward a, a brief amount of time, maybe a year, a season, maybe next season, this rider shows up at a race and lo and behold, he or she struggles with this race and doesn't win it. Comes in third place. Um, his best buddy he grew up with got second and some, someone he didn't even know got first. And this was just devastating. Um, but he kind of thought it was a fluke. So, um, you know, kept going, did another race, same thing kind of happened. It wasn't his greatest race. Um, we'll say he got fourth place His his buddy got second. Someone they didn't know won the race. And all of a sudden it starts getting really discouraging. All the, uh, all the Nike fans are wondering, oh no, what's wrong with so-and-so? You know, he only got fourth place out of 60 kids. He must be falling apart. Um, and starts perceiving a little bit of negative attention, um, which isn't as motivational. Um, so loses a little bit of the motivation to train as hard and, um, and you know, starts getting even more bad results, loses some more motivation to continue to train, and you know, eventually kind of starts just losing 
losing the love for the sport. It's not as fun. It's not as rewarding. The training ride becomes a chore, not something to look forward to. And and eventually just leaves the sport. And this has happened. S- super, super sad so story. Many times. It's a yeah. super sad story. Um, I, I made it up, but it's based on something I've seen happen over and over. It's, it's the amalgamation of a lot of different stories we've seen. And it's sad because it's always, it's always like with a talented writer that had a, had everything they needed. Um, but I, I think the problem, and this is really difficult, especially for a high school age writer is uh, the problem is where the motivation was coming from. Um, it was, it was kind of more of an ego driven motivation rather than something internal, which is really difficult to just tell someone to be motivated internally. And, and, and this is with anything. And not to just, tell a yeah. high school kid not to be motivated by ego is, is nearly impossible. But well, to tell anybody, I mean, and this could be like, you could be really high achieving academic at your high school and, and everybody knows you as the smart kid and you get accepted to Stanford or something, right? And you show up on your first day and you feel like an idiot because everyone else there is smart too. You know, you could, you could finish law school and, and feel like a genius and then get a job at your first firm and everyone else there is really smart and high achieving too. Like this isn't just, I mean, this is like, a, a human thing we're pushing back against here. And it, and it takes a lot of time, you know, and I think you see a lot of kids maybe take, uh, you know, small breaks from the sport here and there, and then their, their motivation kind of waxes and wanes and stuff. Like this is not, you know, it's not something that you're just going to hear this podcast and be like, okay, well, whew, good thing I don't ever have to deal with that. You know, like I listen to a podcast and now my ego is not a problem. You know, like this is, this is a big, you know, like entrenched human problem. Oh, absolutely. Um, and one thing that I think is is really important when we're talking about this is is perspective. Um, you know, if 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 there's this like big long continuum of cycling talent, you know, you've got on one end of the spectrum you have an overweight old man at Walmart riding around on a jazzy with Velcro shoes. So you've got you, and then who's on the other side of the okay. spectrum? And then on the other side of the spectrum, we've got like Vanderpool or whoever is the top pro in the world, you know, and then the general public somewhere in between. And we as athletes who spent like hours and over several seasons training and riding and getting better. I mean, we're actually closer to the Vanderpool end than we might think. Um, yeah, I, I would say to my riders, like if, if you pulled somebody off the street and, and put them up, like I my you know, I took my my neighbored group up to the top of Hidden Peak yesterday. And I was like, look, if, if you took a random person off the street downtown, held a gun to their head and said, ride to the top of this mountain, they probably couldn't do it. Like, I think we should also take a moment to appreciate that, like, you know, if you're listening to this, if you race bicycles, you're already a fit, you know, athletically high achieving individual. I think you're 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 way closer to your, you know, the best you than I think most people are. Absolutely. So we just kind of need to stop and and be grateful and happy about how far we've come and how much better we are than we would be if we were just on the couch playing video games all day. You know, we've come a long way and there might be someone that's come that started later than we did and and thank their parents. They had these awesome genetics that made them advance faster than we do or you know, there might be a kid that started when they were two and they've just been doing it so long that they're, it's just in their, just in their muscle memory to just be that good. They just, um, but that shouldn't detract from our own accomplishments that we should be grateful for. We should be happy about 
regardless of how other people do. Um, I, I think that, you know, like, like one, one thing about professional athletes is one thing that separates a professional athlete from a regular, uh, like a, like a amateur athlete is, is how well they respond to training. Um, so most of the best athletes out there, they would be a fairly normal person without all the hard work that they did. Yeah, like you, you couldn't spot, I don't think you can just look at somebody and say, oh, look, there's latent genetic potential there. Like it's something that, you know, I, I think is, is maybe less obvious initially than, than you might think. Absolutely. And another thing I really want to point out here too is this story I told was about, about a writer that, that had a lot of natural talent and, and people started noticing that early and um, they got a lot of recognition for it. I know a lot of other athletes that that kind of have a different story. Everyone progresses differently. Like there's there's some kids that like at age 13 they're just animals super fast. They, you know, as soon as they get into the sport, they're really good at it right off the bat and then maybe plateau a little bit, but they're still really good. Um, there's other athletes that that they start out and comparatively, they might not seem that great, but they just have a linear progression year after year after year after year. Um, I've got one rider that's coming to mind right now that's just like that. You know, when he first, when I first time I rode with him, I didn't think much of him. Um, every single year, this rider just got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. He never had to deal with some of these vicious cycle issues that we just spoke about that, that some of them, the more I'm using air quotes, nat naturally talented athletes have to deal with, but he just got better and better and better. And I think at the way this athlete's progressing, he'll probably just keep getting better until he's in his forties. And then, then it's kind of a different story, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So. Well, you know, that, that's a much sadder story. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave your autobiography out of this, Dan. But yeah, no, it, and it's true. And like, there are also some athletes that I've I've seen again. Like I've I've watched literally hundreds of people go through our program and the other programs I've been involved in. And I I see them like, why aren't you better? You know, like people who who like put a ton of work in. I'm like, yeah, that, that must be a little frustrating. Like you know, I, I know I, I don't have I don't think I'm particularly genetically gifted. And I was I was upset in high school. I'm like sorry I feel like about I'm, that. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I'll I'll see you later. Um, no, but like I, I got frustrated in high school a few times. I'm like, I feel like I'm working harder than X, Y, and Z person, and they're getting faster than me. You know, like what? And, and it's and like, you really have to learn how to get over that because there is nothing you can do. You know, like you are dealt the set of cards. You know, you're dealt the DNA you're dealt at, at birth, and you know, like you're gonna have to make peace with the fact that you're going to be more genetically gifted than some people and less genetically gifted than. And I'm actually curious. We keep talking about genetically gifted. Like if you had to like you know, bullet out, like, what are, when we say genetically gifted, like, higher lung capacity, like, what, what is it that, you know, what are the actual, like, mechanical forces at play you here know, that make someone, quote, unquote, gifted? I'd like to do a whole podcast on that. Should, should we save that? Is that, let's, is that a content? Let's save that, but let me just give a spoiler. Um, has to do with one of my favorite words. Burrito. No. Okay. Starts with an M. Mitochondria. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's an inside joke. People don't know. We'll but it's that but later. that is the correct answer. That that's that's one of the biggest reasons some people are more genetically gifted than other people. Okay, well, stop talking. That's a whole episode. That's yeah. we can we can drench so many hours of content out of yeah. that. So stay tuned for more on what makes somebody naturally gifted. But I, 
I have said a couple times that I am a very unnatural athlete. You can say that again. Yes. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm okay now, but that's just because I, I work my butt off. I ride a lot, but if, if I didn't, my natural homeostasis state would be a large, heavy person um, that I have to work really, really hard to be okay. Um, but it's still just so much fun for me and I'm just so proud of what I've been able to accomplish because of hard work, because I write a lot. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I mean, I'm fine with the fact that I've had to work hard to be able to keep up with at least most of the kids, not all of them, but. Oh no, certainly not all of them. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you kind of have to grade on a curve. And you know, like it's, again, this isn't just a cycling thing. Like I remember um, being really upset that I had to go to my high school graduation. You know, it was a beautiful day in May or June or whatever, and I wanted to go out and ride. And I was like, this is stupid. Who doesn't graduate from high school? This is the most, we're just celebration of mediocrity here. And then somebody pointed out like, you know, you're really privileged to be able to think that way. You know, that you had an environment where like graduating from high school was easy, where you had support, where you went to a good school and that like, you know, you shouldn't write that off. And I think in the same way, like we can kind of beat ourselves up like, oh, you know, like this, you know, uh, this person's faster than me. Oh, my body fat's not what I want it to be. And you maybe remember that like, you know, I think compared to a lot of other people, you know, again, like it, I'm thinking most people who are listening to this podcast, I'm like, you are doing much better than a lot of folks, you know, and that it's important to remember that like, you know, the circumstances that allow you to be athletic and active and stuff are, are a privilege, you know, so I do. And I think that perspective like helped me. I'm, I don't know. I mean, is that, did you ever like remember, you know, maybe sit back and be like, okay, you know, I've got really cool mountains in the backyard. I have a job that allows me to have a bike. Like there are a lot of cool, you know, uh, things that I, I think that perspective can kind of make you feel a little better about it. Oh, absolutely. Our, our problems aren't even really problems. No, 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 yeah, no, like it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I, I definitely wouldn't trade my life for a random other life. Yeah. Like a bad day on a bike is still a good day. I compare it to pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. And I, I think sometimes we need to show up at races. We need to show up at rides and just realize how lucky we are that we have a body that is capable of even riding a bike, let alone riding a bike up a mountain and down a mountain and that we have parents and that can support us in this not inexpensive sport That's one way to put it, yeah. and that on a Thursday night we can be at the top of a beautiful mountain brushing past beautiful trees with our friends it's just there's just so much coolness and goodness that that we can be grateful for and you know if you have a bad day or if someone beats you that doesn't make you less of an athlete, less of a person. That means that the person that beat you must be pretty dang awesome to be able to beat you. And or pretty mediocre in my case, maybe upper mediocre if they're beating me. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if they beat me, that's a different story. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. Just kidding. Yeah. We've already established yeah. that. But, but yeah. Um, so I just wanted to tell a story real quick about, so Joe mentioned that the, the TBY on our shorts, on our bibs. I just called them short, so I was kind of dumb. Can you they're, edit that? They're bibs, Dan. No, again, I can't I can't edit you being stupid. Okay. <laughs> so so they're they're placed upside down and, and the design for that was everyone's gonna have a ride where things just start to suck, where you feel like crap, where you start questioning your own abilities as a cyclist. You're starting to wonder if if 
you need to start riding lifts and just go downhill if you're I'm so sorry just let me paint a picture here because I have so many of these days you become very aware of your weight every single bump you go over kind of registers through your whole body you know like you miss a corner and go off the trail a little bit you know you're climbing and your legs feel really heavy instead of really powerful and your back aches and you become very conscious of how hot it is and you're thinking oh man two years ago I got up this trail so much faster look how much slower I'm going now and there's some creek on your bike that's driving you crazy and you want more than anything to turn around ride back to the car get a Coke, go home and take a nap. You know, like that, that is me 50% of my rides. Yeah. So I was, uh, and we, we've all had those moments where you're just like, Oh, this sucks. This sucks. Yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. And that's when I want people to look down at their bibs, the bib sleeve and remember what TBY is means, you know, are you, are you meeting your potential? You know, just the best you can be. And, you know, all of us aren't anywhere near the best we can be. There's so much better we can be. There's so much work we can do to become better. We can be, there's just so much room for improvement, which is actually exciting to think, you know, no matter how good we are right now, all of us can be better, which I think is motivating and cool. Um, You know, but I, I think about like the million dollar challenge so s- pretend you're like riding up a hill, you're dead, you're about ready to stop. And you've got maybe like two minutes to go till you're done climbing this hill. And you are just, you've just had it. You're dead. If there is a, a guy in a suit off the side of the trail that all of a sudden says, Hey, I'll give you a million bucks if you make it to the top He's of the hill. The check from publishers clearinghouse. Yeah. You could do it, right? Like that strength is in there. It's it's somewhere. It's in somewhere you. in there. And sometimes no matter how hard it is, you've got to dig that up and it's there. And every time you, you do that and dig that up, you become a stronger person after you recover, of course. So I, I think of a time. Uh, so I went to an iCup race at Snowbird once and I, I just thought this was such a cool experience. I just want to share this real quick. Um, so Robbie Squire, kind of a local pro, really talented rider. He showed up to the I cup race and I remember telling people, Oh yeah, Robbie's going to win it. You know, he's, it's Which gonna, I remember this was not unreasonable at the time. I think oh, yeah. he'd already won an I cup or two that year. Yeah. I mean, he's just yeah, like a standout favorite. Yeah. Know. Standout favorite. I'm like, yeah, he's going to win the race. Yeah. I would have bet a decent amount of money on it. So anyhow, Robbie had a terrible race, not because of fitness, because he crashed once or maybe twice. Like he rode by and he was just covered in dust and blood and he had two major mechanicals because I remember the first lap or two he came back by, he was, you know, he was like 30, 45 seconds off the, the lead pack. And I'm like, Oh no, what's happening? This is, um, but nobody there was pushing harder than Robbie, even though like he could have just said, okay, this race isn't going well. I quit. You know, if I'm not going to win, why finish the race? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to win this. I'm not, so therefore I'm going to quit. Any anything at this point is a failure, you know. Like like no matter what result I post at this point, it's not good. I didn't see anyone there. the The guy winning, I don't even remember who won that race. Nobody there was gritting their teeth harder or pushing harder than Robbie, and it was just such a motivation to me that this guy could show up. Things could go bad, and he was just working harder and trying harder than anybody else there. And it was just hugely motivational to me that 
that even though he wasn't going to get the result he wanted or deserved or whatever you want to call it, that effort there was a winning effort. Yeah, because you see so many people where it's like, and I've, we've all seen like the Nike kid who's supposed to be good, who's having a bad day. And like, you know, you see him come by five or 10 places lower than they're supposed to be. And it looks like they've given up, right? You know, like you can tell, like, I'm just here to finish at this point. I don't really care. Like, you know, and it, I think there is something so admirable about pushing as if you're in first place when you're in 50th, you know, like I think, you know, I remember this race too. Like that is so, and like that, and again, like you don't even remember who won that day. It does not matter who won that day. But like, I think what you saw from Robbie there is something that like transcends cycling even like that, that is the most admirable drive you can see in a person. And like, again, like this is not a motivational, you know, yeah, bro, we're so motivational Instagram quote podcast, but like, that's, that's really cool. You know, um, I think if there's any, if, if Maybird can make an impact on people, I hope it's instilling that sort of like drive, you know, if, if, if nothing else. And, and so that's my whole goal of, of this particular podcast. And I hope this theme is repeated as, as we continue is that I want our motivation to turn more inward. And I mean, sure, we're all going to, you guys are going to have great races and you're going to have people praise you. And it's okay to enjoy that. It's fun. But just know that that's, that's not going to be every single day or every single race. You're going to have races where things don't go as well as you want and people are wondering what happened to you. And, um, but you, you need to just make sure that your motivation is to be the best that you can possibly be and let other people be the best that they can possibly be. But if you're focusing on the best that you can be, there's so much room for improvement. There's room for growth. And, you know, if you're having a bad race, things aren't going your way. You can look down at your bibs, just dig deep, pretend like someone offered you a million bucks to finish this hill and, and you can do it. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. So I, I think, um, if, if we can remember that, like we will be better long-term, more well-rounded cyclists. So just remember everyone. TBY, not TBI, Dan. TBY. <laughs>